Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good to see you all. Welcome to everybody who's listening online or indeed who's listening here. <laughs> hope you're listening because I'm going to talk about the whisper to our soul. And it came from a line of a song, a Hillsong song about the word of God. And it talked about a whisper to our soul and how the word of God can be like that whisper. And uh, we had a prophetic word that Tuesday night that um, there are many whispers in our souls and we need to know what's the word of God and what isn't. Because that's the one, the one that we listen to is the one we'll act on. And we're going to look in the Bible at a few people who heard whispers in their souls and whether they listened to the right one and whether they acted on it. So we're going to start with Elijah. And we've got 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, the background to the story is that Elijah has just had three amazing breakthroughs in his ministry. Three miraculous supernatural interventions by God to endorse that, yes, he's the prophet in Israel, all right? So they'd had a showdown with the false prophets, the false gods, and it had been proved, yes, that God is the God who answers by fire. Then Elijah prophesied that it was going to rain after a drought, and it rained. And then he sends um, the King Ahab off and says, get in your chariot, run, because it's go, because it's going to rain. And he girds up his robe and runs in front of this fast chariot. All these three supernatural things, and then this happens. Okay, so Elijah, uh, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he'd executed all the prophets, the false prophets, this is, with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do for me, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, by tomorrow about this time. Now, wouldn't you just think that Elijah, after those three major things happening in his life, not to mention what happened before, he'd go, ha, ha, you know, never mind that. The God who answers by fire will stand up for me, and I'm not frightened of the Queen Jezebel. But what does he do? When he saw that, when he heard this rumor, he arose and ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. How many people know what that feels like, being in the wilderness? Yeah, maybe some good things that happened. Yeah, maybe good things, maybe bad things. And you go on your own. He left his servant behind and he went on his own into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. You know, this is the next day after all those amazing things that happened it is enough now. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay and slept under a broom tree. And suddenly, now we've got some more supernatural interventions. An angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank. You know, <laughs> he ate and drank and lay down again. You know, what would you do if you woke up and there was... You wouldn't do, oh, yum, 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 go back to sleep. Anyway, that's what he did. Okay, 
And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. God understood how he was feeling. Maybe your journey with sickness, maybe your journey with a difficult relationship, maybe your journey with financial problems feels too much for you. And God comes to you. And let's see what happens. Arise and eat. The journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drink, drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Even after all that, he went off into a cave, spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. You know, it's a passion of mine that we should know the word of the Lord. And even in the midst of all this, the highs and lows of Elijah's life, the word of the Lord came to him. This is just lovely. And he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And this, this question has been not haunting me, but it's been in my heart all week since I've been preparing this. What are you doing here? And I believe that's the word God may be saying to us. What are you doing here? What are you doing at church today? You know, have you come to receive God's love, God's blessing, God's encouragement? Have you come to serve? Have you come to sing, to worship? Have you come to help? What are you doing here? Or maybe during the week, there are places we go. And God says, what are you doing here? Perhaps we're feeling discouraged. And he's saying, what are you doing here? Or maybe we're doing something wrong. And God's saying, what are you doing here? Or it might be the other way around. We're saying, God, what are you doing here in our situation? I've told you about the time when my daughter had a car accident. And I got the message from the hospital. And she'd broken her pelvis, broken her neck, broken her hand. And I said to the Lord, what are you doing? You know, not meaning what a wonderful God you are and da-da-da-da-da. It was like, what are you doing? And the answer came, a whisper in my soul, I'm mending her. That was interesting. It was the right answer to the wrong question. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't up to me why it had all happened. That's way beyond me. But God's answer to my soul that I wanted to hear is I'm mending her. And he did. He mended her pelvis, her neck, her hand, and she's well. So sometimes, you know, it's all right for us to question, what are you doing here, God? And to hear that whisper in our souls. Anyway, he say, God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? So Elijah pours it all out. I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. So remember those exact words, okay? So then God says to him, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And you know how Roz encourages us to worship? And that's sometimes what we need to do when we feel like that. God may say, come on out, come on out, let's worship. Let's get on that mountain. Let's pull ourselves out of ourselves and worship because he's always worthy, isn't he? Whatever we're feeling, whatever we're going through, God is always worthy that we should get out there and worship, even if it's a, a quiet voice. Yeah. So he says, come and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. And the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. 
and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice, a whisper in his soul. And what's God still saying? (laughs) Wait for it. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And that voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So God's still asking him that same question. And word for word, after all that, he says exactly the same as he said before the fire and the earthquake and the wind. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken you. I alone am left and they seek to to take my life. Now listen to this. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. So he's got a succession plan for, for Elijah because it's coming to the end of his ministry. And somebody else you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved, listen to this, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So can you see that what Elijah was really moaning about was half true? Yes, they were seeking to take his life, but he thought he was the only one left. And isn't it true sometimes that when we hear that mixed voice in our hearts and the enemy comes taunting us, he wraps up a bit of truth with a bit of untruth. And we build our thoughts and our feelings on this mixed thing. And God says, no, there are 7,000. You're not alone. 7,000. And I've got a plan for you. And yes, it may be time for you to come to the end of your ministry and be with me, but I've got that all planned out. And I want to encourage you today that maybe there are whispers in your souls of how discouraged you are and how things aren't okay. But I want you to know God has got a plan and God has got other people around you to support you. Okay, so let's look at somebody who got it a bit better than Elijah did that day. We'll look at David in 1 Samuel 30. Now, this is a bit of a sad time in David's life. He comes back with his army. That's pretty well all he's got at the moment is his army of people and his family. And they come back to the camp. And uh, verse 1, it says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him wept, lifted up their voices and wept, for they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and Abigail, had been taken. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. So there were lots of voices going on there in David's life. There was his people talking of stoning him. There was his own soul grieved because of what he'd lost. But unlike Elijah, he didn't go off and sulk. It says, so David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. 
he went and found a quiet place, I'm sure. And I'm sure he said to God, what are you doing here? And God answers him. He, he asks God what to do. And they bring the, the ephod is the way they found God's will in those days. David inquired of the Lord, verse 8, saying, shall I pursue them? And God said, yes, you will recover everything. And it's by the time they get to verse uh, 18, David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. Sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all because he went back to God. What are we going to do here, Lord? The Lord showed him and he recovered. Yeah, he didn't go and sulk. He listened to the whisper of God's voice in his soul to encourage him. There's another bit, which I haven't, uh, we haven't got the verse for, but it says that David was in the strongholds hiding from Saul and there was, you know, Saul couldn't find him. Saul's whole army couldn't find him. But Jonathan, David's best friend, just, it says, and David found him in, uh, Jonathan found him in the wilderness and encouraged him. And let's be those people who find each other in the wilderness and encourage them and speak words into their souls, whispers into their souls that they can go 40 days on. Yeah? Let's be those sorts of friends to people. Okay, 12 spies, numbers three, th numbers 13. This is again where people have to choose what voice are we going to listen to. So the 12 spies go off to spy the promised land. The Israelites have been brought out of Egypt by mighty miracles, passed through the Red Sea, yeah? And uh, they send off 12 spies to the promised land to say, what's it like? Let's, what's it going to be like? And they come back and 10 of them say, it's a great land, but there's giants in the land and they're going to eat us alive. Literally says it's a land that eats its inhabitants. But Joshua and Caleb come along and say, no, they're going to be bred for us. It's a great land. Because there's giants in the land, everything's big. And it took two of them to carry a cluster of grapes on a pole. That's how big. You know, there must have been huge bushes. And, you know, it flows with milk and honey. So think of the size of the cows and the bees. Yeah? It's just a great land. And Caleb's saying, God, it's for us. We can take the land. And the ten spies are saying, oh, no, 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 those giants will eat us alive. And the people have a choice. Am I going to listen to that voice or that voice? And sadly, everybody except jo Joshua and Caleb and Moses listen to the negative voices. It's all too hard. We can't do it. It's not even worth trying. Let's go back, they said. Why don't we just go back to Egypt? Why did you, Moses, bring us out here to die in the wilderness? They've got it all twisted, haven't they? because of their fears and because of the voices of those who discourage. Let's not be discouragers. Let's be encouragers. Okay, now let's look at Jesus. And um, what did Jesus think about himself? In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, you may know this. It says that actually, verse 16, he comes to the synagogue and uh, he's invited to preach. And one of the versions says, he found where it was written about himself. And I thought, what a lesson that is for us. Let's look in the Bible, find what's written about ourselves, and let that be the whisper in our souls. What does God say here about me? God says I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. 
God says, I'm forgiven. God says, I've got a home in heaven. God says, I belong to the family of God. Yeah, let's, let's find in the word what it says about us. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So if somebody said to Jesus, what are you doing here? This would have been his answer, wouldn't it? I've come to encourage. I've come to open doors. I've come to heal. I've come to open blind eyes. I've come to seek and save the lost. I've come to do my father's will. That's the whisper in Jesus' soul. Whatever happened in all his life, the people were awful to him. They talked of stoning him. They maligned him. They accused him. But at the end of his life, he could say, Father, I have done what you told me to do. And that's what he was told to do. And let's be those who can say that at the end of our lives. Yeah. And we need to learn to listen. What is God saying to us about what are we doing here in the kind of, in the wider sense? Why am I alive? Some of you know that my husband died a couple of years ago. And that was one of the questions. Why am I alive? And he isn't. And I had to readjust my thinking about what am I here for? Yeah. And I think we all need to do that. And we need to come aside with God and learn to hear his voice. Remember, I've talked before about it being an open and shut case. Remember, I've said that before. You open your heart, you open your Bible, you open your notebook, and you shut the door on distractions and you shut out what you hope God will say and you shut out what you hope he won't say and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? Yeah. And how do you know? Well, you know the nature of God. You know the character of God from his word. And you know what the devil's like. So if, it's, if you hear accusing words, if you hear discouraging words, that's not going to be God. The Bible says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak because he'll speak peace to his people. So open your hearts. Somebody said, put a smile on your face because it's going to make you feel better. He will speak peace to you. Okay. So the voice of the Lord in Psalm 29, it says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the, the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And then it lists all the things the voice of the Lord does. So it's really good for us to get to know God's word, to seek him. What are you saying to me today about this situation? about my life, because if we listen to that, if we speak it in our souls, it will get louder and louder and it will guide our lives. So those are the sorts of things we might whisper in our souls or hear in our souls about us. What do we whisper about other people? Jesus was very strong on the words of our mouths and what we say about other people. He basically tells us to bless to bless, you know, and bless means to speak good things, to speak encouraging things. And I just wonder if we perhaps over the years have lost an understanding of what the power is in blessing. You know, the Old Testament, it was very, very powerful. Uh, if you go to, um, where are we? Genesis 27. This is where Isaac blesses Jacob, kind of by mistake. Um, but not in God's eyes. So Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau is 
by a fraction the twin who was born first, so is technically the firstborn and should get the firstborn blessing. But Jacob wanted that. So, and Jacob's mum wanted him to have it because of a word she'd had. And uh, so Jacob dresses up as Esau and goes into Isaac and says, here I am, I'm Esau, and bless me. So Isaac is duped and blesses him with the firstborn blessing. A bit later on, Esau comes in. The brother says, hey, dad, I'm here. I've come for my blessing. And Isaac's like, well, what's happening here? I've just blessed. And it turns out that he's blessed Jacob. And Esau says, well, well, no, can't you bless me? And uh, and Isaac says, I've blessed him. It's done. The words I've spoken have happened. You know, I've blessed his marriage. I've blessed his children. I've blessed his work. I've blessed his fruitfulness. That's it. He really believed in the power of blessing. The father's blessing to the son was really powerful in the Bible. You know, you fathers that are here, bless your children. Speak blessings over them. Find scriptures, whole psalms and bless them. It's really, really powerful. I was at a wedding once and um, it was your brother's wedding, Ros. And the dad, must have been the wife's dad, said, I'm going to bless this marriage And he stood up and he blessed that marriage. And it's been blessed. Yeah? We need to believe in the power of blessing. I I think I told you about a friend in um, Asia that I know. She became a Christian while I was there. And uh, just before she was going abroad and I was going abroad, I said, I'd like to pray for you and I'd like to bless you. And she sat there there in her previous religion. They believed very powerfully in blessing. And she just sat there as I prayed for her. And she's been texting me for weeks and weeks since. And she said, I'll never be the same. I'll never forget that. So let's be people who bless each other. Let's leave people with a whisper of blessing in their souls. When we've had coffee with them or met them in the street or worked with them, let them have the blessing of God in their souls because of us blessing them. And let's not curse. Yeah, Jesus said, bless and do not curse. Gossip is cursing, you know. If I, if I gossip with somebody about somebody else, I've left a whisper in their soul about them, haven't I? And they've got to do something with it. Somebody said that unpleasant gossip is like, is like taking a truck of dung and dumping it on somebody's doorstep. They've got to do something with it, haven't they? Let's not. And if somebody wants to gossip with you, why don't you say, let's not? Let's, let's not do that. Yeah. Try not to be those who put other people down. In um, Numbers, chapter 22, it talks about a prophet called Balaam, who was not a particularly good prophet. And uh, King Balak hires him with lots of money and promises of wealth to curse the people of Israel. Because Balak, the the opposite king, the bad king, realizes that God is blessing that nation of Israel, so he's never going to defeat them. So he thinks, oh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get a prophet to come and curse them, and then I can beat them. So he hires this Balaam to say, you know, um, will, will you curse them? And <laughs> Balaam does all his enchantments and whatever, and he says, actually, I can't. God's blessed them, so I can't. Three times, Balak says, try going to this mountain. Try coming here the other place. And Balaam goes, blah, 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 and all that. And then he says, no, can't do it. God's blessed them. How can I curse those whom God has blessed? We need to believe in the power of blessing. We need, not just when someone sneezes, yeah, 
we need to believe that God blesses people. You know, the, the definition in the Bible of blessing is fortunate to be envied with life joys, regardless of external circumstances, it says. You know, let's bless people. Don't we want that for people? We want it for ourselves. Okay, and finally, let's talk about uh, what we whisper about God in our souls. You can hear words about God, you know, at many levels. But we need it deep down in our souls, don't we? I could say to you, God loves you. God forgives you. Jesus died for you. God wants you to be saved and come into his family forever. And you could hear that. They could hear that on the sound desk and tell you the frequencies, the decibels, the pitch, the volume. At that level, that's not going to save them, is it? You can hear it with your brain. I could tell you. Uh, with my knowledge of linguistics, that there are pronouns, verbs, subjects, objects, but that's not going to save me. You can even hear it with your feelings and think, well, you know, if God really loved me, why has this happened? And if God really loved me, da-da-da-da-da. But when it sinks right down in your soul, Jesus loves me. God forgives me. Jesus died for me. I belong to him. God is for me, not against me. When I fight, I fight on my knees and the victory belongs to the Lord. When that gets down there, that's the whisper in your soul. Yeah. So we need to listen, speak it out and get it down there. Whispering about God. I want to talk to you about the, a person who came to Jesus for healing. You may know this story in Matthew 9. Here we are. It's about a lady who had an issue. The old version says she had an issue of blood, some sort of hemorrhage. But I stopped short at she had an issue. How many of us have got issues? Yeah, issues in our marriage, issues in our relationships, issues with our finances, issues with our health, issues with work, yeah, issues with our boss. She brought her issue to Jesus. Yeah, it says um, Matthew, ni- Matthew 9, 20. Suddenly, a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years came from behind. Have you ever thought you were coming from behind? Have you ever thought other people had better opportunities, better options, better starts than you? Yeah. But she came from behind. And she had a whisper in her soul. She said to herself, one version says she said within herself, if only I may touch his garment... I shall be made well. That was the whisper in her soul. If I can just get close to Jesus. Yeah. And that whisper in her soul propelled her from behind, through the crowds, through the disapprovals, right to Jesus. Jesus was in a hurry. He'd got Jairus with him saying, come quickly because my daughter's dying. But she didn't let that stop her. She came to Jesus with her issue, with her whisper in her soul. What's our whisper in our soul when we come to Jesus? needs to be based on his word. Yeah. (laughs) There's another story in Mark chapter 2 about, you know, the story where some friends bring their friend to Jesus and there's no room at the door, so they make a hole in the roof and put him down through the roof. And uh, he's lame. He's on a mat, paralyzed. And uh, Jesus says to him, son, your sins are forgiven which is an interesting thing to say because you'd think he'd say, be healed. But I do think some of us find it difficult to receive our healing 
if we think there are things wrong in our lives, if we think we don't deserve it. Yeah. But he said, your sins have forgiven you. And all the, the leaders of the temples and that were sitting there disapproving of Jesus. And it says he knew what they were thinking in their hearts, what they were saying in their hearts. I'll just read it to you. 6 to 8. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? You know, that's the wrong question, isn't it? Jesus was God. Okay, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? They think that's funny. Jesus knew what was in their hearts. Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But anyway, he heals him and forgives him. But Jesus knows the thoughts of our hearts. And I just was challenged when I read that. Are there some things that I'm disapproving of God about that I think he ought to be doing in the world or I think he ought to be doing in my life? What are you doing here, Jesus? Mm. And it's okay to ask. It's okay to talk to him. He'd much rather that you come to him with your questions, with your issues, and reason it out, says in Isaiah. Come and let us reason together. He wants communication with us. So, I'd just like to pray for us that we would learn to hear God's voice, that we would learn to discern the whisper of God and for it to be an encouragement to us and to be those who encourage others. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion and uh, you might want to ask yourself, what am I doing here at, communion ta- at the communion at the front here? And uh, the song we just sang really struck me where it says, just you and me. There's something about the wine and the bread and just you and me. And I think it would be good when we eventually come to the take communion to think, what if it was just me and Jesus here? What if it was Jesus offering that and saying, remember that I died for you? Yeah. Let's pray about that whisper. Father, I just want to thank you because you're all the while wanting to speak to us. I want to thank you because you always encourage us. I want to thank you that you can use us to encourage each other. I want to ask that if we've got any muddled half-truths about you in our souls, that you would put them right. I want to ask that, Lord, you would help us to listen more to your voice than any others and be those who speak your word to others. We welcome you now. And you know, if there are people here or online who haven't heard that message about the love of Jesus deep down in their souls, I want to give you the opportunity to hear it again. Jesus loves you. Jesus forgives you. Jesus wants you to come to him and be born into his family and to know him and to know his voice. And you can pray a prayer, you know, you can just say, Lord, for the first time today, I really believe deep in my soul, that that's the truth. 
that you love me, that I'm forgiven. My whole life can be cleaned up. I can have a new beginning. And I just invite you now in my heart to give me that new beginning so I can live for you. I want your Holy Spirit to live with me and speak to me daily. And maybe you want to pray that God will help you with the thoughts of your heart. Maybe you want to talk to him about places you go, things you do, where he says, what are you doing here? Or maybe you want him to answer about what he's doing in your life. What he's doing here in your life. He's always willing to answer. Thank you, Jesus.